What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show. Today, we are going to talk about something that we all have in common, and that's digestion. And we're going to tailor this conversation more towards like bloating and things that we could do to uh, maybe minimize bloating or digest our food a little bit better. Uh, But this is a topic that literally everybody has in common. Like we all eat, we all digest and absorb our food. We all eliminate it at some point. And it's, uh, it's not the sexiest subject by any means, but it's really damn important. And it's also a topic that And maybe this is me just being immersed more in the fitness space maybe than other people, but it's something that I've seen a lot of talk or a lot of people talking about recently, a lot more like health gurus and experts, you know, coming out on TikTok and social media and, and things like that, talking about gut health. And, um, yeah, I think we're just being more exposed to this and there's more people claiming those titles in the nutrition and the health space, which we're going to kind of dive into some of the, you know, physical things that we could change with our diet or with our routine or with our headspace that can maybe help aid in digestion and help you feel better after eating or during meals. But before we jump into that, I just want to, I want to talk a little bit about gut health in general, because to be honest, like the gut is the root of everything that we do, you know, and, and from a nutrition standpoint, if your gut isn't working well, like everything else is going to be a challenge after that. Um, so I just want you to understand that, Hey, bloating is normal. Digestion is normal. How we respond to different foods, like all of these can and are going to be individualized to you. But what I've seen a lot of recently is a lot of these so-called experts and people making absolute terms. And, you know, I think we've all seen those reels or posts of like somebody typing in their notes section of their phone, like saying things that are destroying your gut. And then they list out 10 things that like everybody does. And people are like, well, what the fuck do I do instead now? You know, like no artificial sweeteners, no red meat, no, no uh, sugar, no gluten, no dairy, like X, Y, and Z. And honestly, a lot of times when I see these posts, I think they're doing more harm than good. And, you know, when I say health gurus or experts or gut health gurus, like a lot of self-proclaimed, you know, uh, gut health gurus and people you might see online talking in absolutes, like I just want you to be a little skeptical sometimes. Now, it's not to say that what they're saying doesn't have any truth, but if we look at real researchers or talk to somebody who is completely immersed in the gut health space and people who don't talk in absolute terms and uh, people who know that, you know, this is a very complicated subject and uh, we're kind of in the infancy stage of learning about the gut, to be honest. But if you ask a real researcher, real gut health professional, somebody who's not trying to sell you their supplement line, You'll probably hear people say like we're 10, 20, like 30 years away from knowing what the actual fuck is going on in our gut and how everything ties together. Now, that's not to say that we haven't made an incredible amount of progress. Hell yeah, we have. Like we we know more now than we have, you know, in the last, you know, the decade. And um, a lot of that is due to good research and um, even like clinical application stuff. Um, but I just want you to to remember that the gut is very complicated. It's very multi-faceted. Uh, it's there, there's a lot of inputs that can go into it, and you know, 
one single food ingredient or one thing you eat, um, and that's impacting impacting other things like people will throw out the words leaky gut or dysbiosis or um, you know inflammatory bowel disease and you know you'll hear a lot of these like loose diagnoses of you know people saying that they have gut issues when in reality it's like uh, do you actually know what's going on or is that you know something that we can actually treat immediately with you know some of these uh, food or lifestyle or supplement interventions and you know at the end of the day there's a lot of things out there that can help us take an inside look of what's going on inside the gut and and that is not to be used as like a complete diagnostic tool unless you know you're seeing a GI doctor or a practitioner or you know you're getting a colonoscopy and there's like you know people you're seeing for some of these gut complications um, but you randomly ordering like a food sensitivity test or doing some blood work or um, you know ordering you know a gut test something from your favorite influencer man, just be very skeptical about what you do and what you change based on some of those results. Cause at the end of the day, like a lot of them are kind of BS. And I say that knowing that I do some of these tests as well. And by no means are these uh, in particular, uh, I do something called the GI map, which is a stool test. It's, it's, uh, if you've never done a stool test, it's one of the most like memorable experiences you'll ever have in your life. But um, it's it's essentially a stool test that gives us a report back of a lot of uh, detectable limits of these good gut bacteria, opportunistic bacteria. Gives us a look at what inflammation is like, um, kind of like autoimmune triggers. Um, if you have any worms or pathogens present, uh, just can kind of give us a snapshot of what could and what is somewhat going on in your gut as we sit here today. And we can use that as feedback to be maybe a little bit more intentional or understand like, hey, are there things that are contributing to some of the symptoms that you're experiencing? And as I say this out loud, I, I say this with kind of an asterisk because again, this is not something that I do with everybody that walks through my door who's looking for nutrition coaching or personal training. And this, these kind of tests, in my opinion, are often saved for people who are kind of at their wits end, like have no idea what the fuck is going on. I've seen other practitioners, but can't figure anything out. Maybe have done other tests and have tried things, but still feel the same way. Like I do think that there is some value and these type of tests can help a small percentage of the population, but a percent of the population that actually needs it compared to someone like myself or your average gym goer who, you know, feels bloated after a meal and thinks there's some like food sensitivity stuff going on or something like that. It just, a lot of times what it comes back to is like habits, behaviors, um, some maybe nutrition, uh, lifestyle factors that, you know, you're doing around or during your, your eating time, your meal patterns that could be influencing, um, just, just discomfort when it comes to digestion, contributing to more bloating. And sometimes addressing those can make all the difference in the world. And that's kind of the road that we're going to take today. But I just want to throw out a disclaimer that I do think that there are places for a lot of these stool tests. Um, obviously seeing a, a GI doctor and doing things like endoscopies or colonoscopies or um, various other blood work and tests and things like that, that can help get some diagnostic criteria to see what the fuck is going on. But, um, you know, there is a small, 
and maybe not even a small, I don't even know what small percentage of the population would even mean, right? That's very subjective. But again, there are people out there that do need, you know, help um, from GI doctors, maybe from uh, who would benefit from seeing somebody like myself uh, or other dietitians who are maybe offering some of these tests. Um, but I just, again, want you to be really weary and, and be really intentional with who you choose to work with when you do go about doing some of these things. Because, you know, unfortunately, the reality that we live in is like people talking about, you know, a, a lot of these food and digestive stuff and symptoms, giving you a laundry list of symptoms that you might be experiencing, giving you potential list of triggers that you might be doing, and then leading you down kind of a rabbit hole of like, hey, this is um, this is what you can buy from me only to be bombarded with like a bunch of supplements and 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 falling down a path that maybe you don't actually need to go down. Um, but a lot of times we think we need to go down that path because we hear people talking, you know, so confidently about some of this stuff. And again, I just, we know a lot more about the gut and what it's connected to and how important it is. But again, we're still, we're still far away from knowing exactly what is going on in a lot of these uh, processes that are happening from a, a, a digestive and absorptive and um, even kind of from an, an elimination standpoint when we talk about digestive health. So yeah, there's just, there's so much that goes into this and this list is not meant to be an exhaustive, exhaustive list that's going to cure your problems by any means, but I just want to, to, talk about gut health stuff, talk about some things that you could do today or just be aware of that maybe you could change or improve upon that can make all the difference in how you feel after meals. Like that's really the goal of, of what we're talking about today. So I, um, yeah, I feel like before I talk about some of these subjects, I have to, I have to say a lot of disclaimers and a lot of these things. Cause again, we can't make these generalized or these blanket statements and expect that to fit for everybody. But then again, you know, this is also a podcast where, you know, I'm trying to speak to the masses instead of the 1% of the people who could maybe benefit or likely benefit from going the extra mile in some of these areas of their health and wellness. So again, take this for, for, you know, what it's worth and maybe make some of those adjustments. And to be honest, like when I do order GI maps and we look at these results, a lot of things that I talk about today are also things that we go over and are possible interventions for people who are trying to, you know, um, heal their gut in a sense, or um, maybe improve their digestion and their absorption, depending on some of the res results we're finding. Um, in addition to maybe other supplements or being more intentional with specific foods or, in, or ingredients and, and um, you know, practicing eliminating or maybe going uh, like low FODMAP or gluten-free. Like there is some application for a lot of these things, but again, I just... I just, I can't sit here and confidently say like everybody should do this all the time. You know, if you have the ability and the luxury to be able to do something like a GI map, which is like, you know, 350, 400 bucks at least. Um, and you could do that once a year or quarterly, like that's great. And you want to do that. That's great. And you find, you will often find something that could be potentially improved upon. That's cool, you know, but not everybody has access to that. And I don't want people to think that they have to do that to achieve like their best version of themselves or to feel really good or to be healthier. Um, because at the end of the day, it just, we don't have to spend all our money on tests and supplements and things where, um, you know, maybe our energy and our time and our money would be better invested into other things, other behaviors, other, um, you know, uh, um, 
uh, food standpoint, right? Spending our money on food and getting into the gym and, and managing stress and seeing a therapist, like doing some of these other things I would consider more important sometimes, um, than taking a bunch of tests for some of the stuff. So as I sit here, I just, um, again, I just find myself going in circles saying like, Hey, I, I'm going to say some things today, but they might work. They might not work for you. But in general, these are things that I want you to keep thinking about. If you're somebody who, you know, finds yourself feeling really uncomfortable after eating or bloating a lot. And again, before I jump into this, one thing that I also want you to remember is like bloating is actually normal. It's a normal part of the digestion process. Um, you know, bloating in excess all the time, I would not consider as normal. But this idea that you could be bloat free forever is not the case. And it's likely something that you're going to experience on some level day in and day out or can, you know, I say somewhat consistently, but week to week, you're going to experience bloating, but it's not something that you can eliminate completely. So I just want to put that in your ear as well and say, this is not something that you could just cure and never bloat again. Um, But there are strategies and things that I want you to keep in mind to maybe help minimize that or to feel better after meals. And, um, you know, one of them, it seems obvious and a lot of these might seem obvious, but if you take an honest look at your life and you kind of audit yourself and check in and see, you know, some of these behaviors, are you doing them? Are you not? How consistent are you with it? Chances are you might be doing a lot more of these things that I talk about than what you think you might be doing. And that's where I think tracking or just even keeping a a food or a mood journal, like checking in with yourself before meals. How am I feeling before this meal? How am I feeling after the meal? I think, I think that can have a lot of value that could be really underrated when it comes to maybe trying to feel better and digesting your food better. Um, But one of the things that I find that a lot of people do, especially in this very distraction heavy world that we live in, very busy, you know, hustle culture, go, go, go is like, People just don't chew their food enough. Um, At the end of the day, if you're not chewing your food enough, like that's the, uh, believe it or not, the start of digestion begins in your mouth. But mechanically, if you're not breaking your food down as small as it can be and it's going into your stomach, like your body's going to have a harder time processing, breaking down, digesting, absorbing those nutrients that's coming from that food. It's going to be more difficult if you're just inhaling your food and you're only, you know, chewing a handful of times before you take your next bite, right? It's like we all know those people who just sit down chewing their food before you know it, they're already picking their fork up, putting another bite in their mouth. And it's just like, sometimes that can be exacerbated when you're starving or you don't eat enough throughout the day and you're like, you know, binging later at night. But it's like, I just want you to be mindful of putting your fork down, chewing thoroughly, like add maybe five to 10 more chews on top of what you're already doing and being intentional with that and see what that feels like. Cause a lot of times, like when you're not chewing your food enough, bloating could be a really big side effect of that. And I think that this is one of the easiest things that you could correct if you're mindful about it and think about it in the moment. So, um, again, when you're swallowing larger boluses of these foods, like it, it can just make it harder to digest when it gets into your stomach and eventually through the rest of your, um, GI tract. So chew your food more, put your fucking fork down when you, when you're chewing, like try not to eat distracted and just focus on like chewing and, and breaking that food down as much as you can and swallowing it. And you might find that that makes all the difference in the world for you, but make sure you chew your food enough. I find that a lot of people do not chew their food enough and that can exacerbate a whole 
other list of things, you know, if you're not doing that right in the beginning. So with that, a lot of times too comes uh, the second point I want to bring up here, which is eating a large meal, like big meals. Um, and, and not to say that we need to eat, you know, small portion food and snacks between meals and eating six times a day. That's not what I'm saying here, but you know, a lot of times when you're eating a huge, massive meal, say at the end of the day, cause you forgot to eat lunch or you couldn't eat breakfast, or maybe you did eat those things, but you're eating later at night and you're just eating a ton of food or you order takeout and like, it's like, Hey, instead of ordering at Chick-fil-A, the two or the one chicken sandwich and, and fruit cup and fries, I got two chicken sandwiches and fries and like an order of six piece nuggets. It's like, and when you have a ton of food, I'm just using Chick-fil-A or like, you know, Chipotle or in and out. It's like, when your eyes are bigger than your stomach, it's like we all know how that's felt or what that feeling is like. Just, just wanting to order all the things and thinking we can eat it. And then when you actually order it and you eat it all, you feel fucking terrible after it. Um, but eating a large meal can just or, uh, contribute to somewhat of a distended stomach. And if you think about it, it's just a larger volume of food in your stomach, which 100% can lead to bloating. And then you pair that with like, hey, maybe you're not chewing your food enough, right? Like you're starving, you you start eating that food, you're in, inhaling it, you're not chewing enough. Man, that's kind of a perfect storm for bloating and just not feeling super awesome after you do that as well. So just keep that in mind. Eating a large meal can definitely, just based on volume alone, can make you a little bit more distended and bloated after a meal and take longer for you to digest that food compared to maybe you eating what a normal portion size would look like for you. So... The third thing I have on my list today is drinking carbonated drinks. Now, I would say carbonated waters, diet sodas, like, you know, zero calorie things that help you get fluids in. Like, I'm I'm a fan of that if that works for you and you enjoy that and it's replacing like maybe a soda or a full sugar alternative. It's like, and again, not to say that there's like these good or bad foods, but if I had to list, you know, there's like, a bad food or bad something out there, like soda would probably make my list of that because, I mean, if you think about it, it's just, it's empty calories. It's the least satiating food on the planet or drink, you know, anything on the planet. Um, A lot of times they have a ton of added sugar in there and, and it's just, there's just nothing really nutritious about it. And if drinking diet soda or carbonated water or LaCroix or Spindrift or if you have a soda stream and you're like, you know, making yourself a fuck ton of like sparkling water over the course of the day, like I think that's a really good alternative. But check in with yourself and if you're having bloating and and you're going through this checklist today and um, you look at your life and you're like, damn, I have like two or three sparkling waters a day four sparkling waters a day, four carbonated drinks a day, like 100% that that could lead to um, some more bloating or distension over the course of the day. Part of that comes from just having extra air in your stomach. And again, that can can contribute to gas as well, um, but also bloating too. So I just want you to be honest with yourself. Like if you're inhaling, you know, a bunch of these waters and you're not drinking any like regular tap water over the course of the day, which I wouldn't say is like the most important thing by any means. But if you're, you know, only water source is coming from carbonated drinks, like that could be an area to check in with yourself and maybe cut back on in an attempt to see if any bloating or, or distension or gas can improve because of that as well. So keep that in mind. And 
I would also say like having those with meals might not be the best idea for some people. Uh, maybe spacing them out or even maybe having it after a meal could potentially be better or an hour before you're sitting down to have your meal, but having a carbonated drink with your meal. I don't know. Sometimes I find that that could also lead to some of this like extra bloating, more air consumption when you're eating your meals, which can just kind of make you feel just bloated after you eat. So keep that in mind. Okay. Another thing that I had on my list that I want to mention is sodium too. Like, to be honest, a lot of people eat way more salt than we need to. And that's just kind of the food environment that we live in right now. But eating an excess amount of salt or sodium intake can 100% make you retain more water. And that alone can contribute to you feeling maybe a little bit more puffy or even bloated as well. So, you know, salt is something that we need, but a lot of times people eat it in excess and eat a shit ton of it. And it's not even like you salting your foods at meals. It's more from people eating like maybe more processed foods, eating more foods away from home, eating takeout or fast food. Even if it's once a day, like you could get your full you know, daily dose of sodium in one fucking meal if if you actually look into it. Yeah, you know, like I don't want to shit on Chick-fil-A here or like In-N-Out because I think those are can be good options and are, are good restaurants that taste fucking delicious, right? But like, dude, the people at Chick-fil-A and In-N-Out don't give a shit about your, <laughs> about your uh, sodium consumption for the day. You know, Chick-fil-A maybe has a little bit better options. They have grilled stuff, maybe not as much breaded. Like you can order different things there in and out. It's kind of like what you get, but man, you might be getting 2000 milligrams of sodium from one meal or, uh, you you know, one lunch at Chick-fil-A or in and out alone. So be mindful of that. And just keep in mind that if you're having a high salty food or you're going out to a really fancy dinner, nice dinner, like chances are you might be getting a little bit more salt and that's something that could be contributing to you, you know, not feeling the best or feeling a little bit bloated after you eat that meal. So keep that in mind too. If you're eating meals away uh, from home a lot and you cut back on that and you start eating more food that you prepare at home, uh, even if it's like, you know, pre-roasted vegetables, like, and you have rice or potatoes or Uh, whatever protein source you want with that, like chances are you're going to be getting half or even less, you know, sodium with that. If you're not putting a ton of salt on your meals compared to what you might get away from home, um, eating honestly anywhere out. So yeah, just keep that in mind. Salt is something that, uh, restaurants add a lot to their meals. Same with oil, same with butter. And again, it's, it's not that those things are terrible inherently for you, right? Like if you're managing calories and you're not eating, you know, in a surplus and you're, you're doing that sporadically. Like all of those things have a fucking place. I promise you. But if you're doing that consistently and and you're feeling bloated and not like yourself and you're not getting enough fiber and you're not, uh, you find yourself just kind of eating more and more, maybe gaining a little bit of weight over time, like eating away from home, eating more salt could be one of the contributing factors to that as well. So cool. One, one that I listed on here that I want to talk about is stress and kind of taking a pivot here from like actual food ingredients and things that you're eating or doing at your meals. But stress alone is something that can mess with your digestive tract, right? Like if you think about our central nervous system, we have our sympathetic nervous system. We have our parasympathetic nervous system. 
that sympathetic state, sympathetic nervous system is more of that fight or flight, higher cortisol. Um, you're more alert oriented. Your body is not prioritizing digestion in that state. And a lot of times people have a fuck ton of stress coming from work or their social life or maybe their relationships or uh, maybe they're just stressed out watching sports all the time and you're betting, right? Maybe you're under fueling, you're over exercising. Um, maybe your mental headspace is not the best. Like there's, there's so many forms of stress that you could be experiencing. And if you imagine your stress bucket is just this like bucket, five gallon bucket or something, right? And there's all these inputs of stress going into this bucket. You know, when that stress bucket fills up or it's overflowing, like digestion is not something that is the utmost priority for your body. Um, and I want you to remember that. So if we go to the other side, you know, if we tap into that parasympathetic state, more of that rest and digest state, your ability to digest, process, absorb, break down that food becomes a little bit easier. And eating when you're stressed out or when you're constantly in a high stress state, that is something that, believe it or not, could contribute to sluggish digestion. And it's, uh, I, I want to say that that's something that's very underrated and something that people don't take as serious that maybe we should. Uh, but at the end of the day, like there's so much stress in our day-to-day -day lives. And if you're not managing that, if you're not having, if you don't have positive outlets for that, you know, if you're not taking care of yourself, you're not eating nutrient dense foods, if you're abusing alcohol or other drugs and, um, you know, there's, there's just this chronic unmanaged stress that you're, you know, dealing with. Don't expect for your digestive tract to feel fucking amazing when you're in that state because your body is being pulled in a lot of different directions and, something's got to give. And a lot of times like optimal digestion is just not the thing that's, that's, you know, going to be in check when you're experiencing, you know, all those symptoms in that state. So stress, stress is huge, you know, and it can definitely play a part in how we digest food, how we feel after eating. And maybe one strategy that you could try if you are, you know, one of those people who live in this chronically like high stress state, is like before you sit down, every time you eat, every meal, every small snack, whatever it is, like just sit there and take five big deep breaths, five to 10 deep breaths. And what you can do sometimes if you're just intentional about it, you're doing like a mini meditation, right? Or you're just like literally focusing on deep breathing alone. You can kind of tap into that parasympathetic state before you go into your meal. And, and I've seen that work wonders for some people who you know, a lot of their digestive issues come from stress alone. So keep that in mind. Take some deep breaths before your your meals or whatever food that you're eating. And that could be something that could help you feel better after meals if, you know, you're in a really stressful time of your life right now. So um, yeah, just keep that in mind because stress is, I think, one of the most underrated things that can contribute to like just, you know, not digesting our food properly and feeling shitty after eating our food. Another one that I want to throw out there is, uh, it sounds obvious, but if you're not like going to the bathroom regularly, like going poop regularly, you're, you're probably not going to be feeling a hundred percent, uh, being constipated and just not moving things along through your digestive tract. 100% can cause bloating and discomfort and distension and nausea and, and make you not want to eat at, you know, um, preceding meals after that. So if you're not going to the bathroom regularly, you know, addressing constipation could be something that could weirdly help you, uh, feel better after eating meals or 
or reduce some of the side effects you have after eating some meals like bloating and constipation is a very, again, it's everything we're talking about today. Gut health related is like, it depends, right? That's my favorite answer for everything. But if you're constipated and you can be honest with yourself and you look, it's like, Hey, am I drinking enough water? Am I getting my recommended serving of fiber throughout the course of the day? Ladies, maybe 25 grams a day, guys, 35 to 38 or more grams of fiber per day. Or if you're tracking calories and you're at a deficit, like, like 15 uh, grams of fiber per 1000 calories could be something that you could shoot for as well. Um, but I just, I want you to ask yourself, are you eating enough fiber? Are you eating a diverse diet, right? Are you eating like a high schooler and having a bunch of like processed foods and like, you know, not even soda, like energy drinks and diet drinks and, and, um, you know, skipping meals and not eating very nutrient dense meals, not getting lean protein sources in like, be honest with yourself and look at your diet from a whole. And a lot of times when you address or improve on what you're doing from like a nutrition intervention standpoint, constipation can naturally be relieved that way. Like you don't need to go to the stool softeners or the laxatives to, to control your, uh, your bowel movements and to force yourself to go. A lot of times those things could be improved by changing things with your nutrition, with your hydration, also even like getting a little bit more active, which is actually my next point. If you're not exercising regularly, like that could be one of the things that could also keep you constipated as well. So just be honest with yourself. And if you're not having consistent daily bowel movements, like chances are when you direct your efforts at improving that, you're also going to feel better after eating meals and, um, maybe struggle less with bloating and, and other side effects that you feel after eating meals when you're constipated. So keep that in mind as well. And I already kind of alluded to it, but the next thing I wanted to talk about was physical activity because you not getting enough physical activity or daily movement or activity in, man, that that is definitely something that can play a role in you not digesting and, and moving your through or your food through your digestive tract properly. Like being active and getting enough steps in, um, honestly, daily, like if you work out two, three times a week, great. But if you get a thousand or 2000 steps on average over the course of the day, the other days you're not exercising, like, like that is also something that really helps keep your digestion running smoothly. And if you're not getting enough activity in that can hundred percent be a reason why maybe you're not feeling super awesome after eating your meals. So Keep that in mind. And and even on the other end of that spectrum, if we go to the extreme, like you exercising too much, that could potentially alter your digestion as well. And I'm talking to my people who do like the um, group classes, the hit, hit workouts, the seven Peloton rides a week, like you working out six times a week or seven times a week or doing double days and under eating, right? If we refer back to that stress bucket we talked about earlier, like if your stress bucket is overflowing, that's 100% going to kind of lead you to dipping into the sympathetic state more frequently and, and making it harder for you to digest the food that you're eating if you're even eating enough. Um, but again, one extreme to the other, like that's where we can see a lot of these digestive issues come up. We want to live somewhere in the middle and chances are that that's going to help your digestion. So if you're exercising way too much, going balls out all the time, never taking rest days, like chances are you could probably benefit from cutting back. And uh, even though that might sound scary to you in the moment, it's like 
that is likely going to be a net benefit for you in terms of your progress and your adaptations and making, you know, progressions in your workouts over time and with your body composition instead of feeling the need to just like keep going and doing more and more and more and feeling guilty for missing a workout because you feel like you're missing out on progress because, you know, if you're not moving or exercising today, you're not getting better. That mindset is a load of shit, to be honest with you. So I encourage you to really, really acknowledge like if you're doing too much and coming back or if you're not doing enough, you're not going on enough walks, you're not getting enough steps in, you're not exercising one, two times a week at least. Like, man, we got to get into the routine of doing that and chances are that's going to complement everything else that we're talking about today too. Uh, The next one that I have on here, I only have two left, but chewing a lot of gum, I see, I see sometimes being an issue for some people. This is not for everybody, but some gum, depending on which ones you get, sometimes they have uh, artificial sweeteners in them. And I'm not saying that artificial sweeteners are a bad thing. I would argue that artificial sweeteners are overall something that are net positive for most people going from like full sugar uh, you know, options to artificially sweetened options with zero calories. It's, it's always going to be a better swap. But same thing with uh, artificial sweeteners. Sugar alcohols are sometimes added to gum, which in general, sometimes people just don't respond well to certain artificial sweeteners or um, uh, sugar alcohols. And I just want you to be mindful of like, hey, if you're chewing a ton of gum throughout the course of the day and maybe that's helping you curb some of your cravings or uh, it's it's you know, putting something in your mouth and taking your attention away from like wanting to snack or eat or, or anything along those lines. Like, I think there's a place for that. But if you're chewing gum constantly over the course of the day, sometimes that can contribute to a little bit of loading because when you chew gum, like you also tend to swallow more air, which can cause some distension and bloating as well. And same thing with maybe just responding not super well with some of the artificial sweeteners or the sugar alcohols in there that can give you some just dis- distension and your body doesn't you know, digest and break those down super efficiently. You know, I'll give you an example. It's like Halo Top ice cream. We've all seen those kind of like lower calorie pints of ice cream, but they just load those things with like sugar alcohols to knock the calories down. And if, if I eat like a full pint of Halo Top ice cream, I feel fucking terrible for the next day and I'm super gassy and I'm bloated part of the reason why I just eat the real stuff now, like if I have ice cream, I'm just going to, I'm just going to get the regular whatever and just have less of it. But, um, yeah, everyone can respond differently to like artificial sweetener, sugar, alcohol stuff. So that might be you. And, and, you know, that could be another reason maybe why you don't feel super awesome over the course of the day or why you feel like your digestion is a little bit off. It could just be from you obsessively chewing gum, you know, every day of the week. So, Cool. Last one that I have today is more geared towards my ladies out there, but your cycle or where you're at in your cycle, maybe you just started your period, maybe you're PMSing, but different phases in your cycle, 100% can lead to bloating and kind of irregular digestion and just changes in, um, in mood and energy. And, you know, like when you're changing, you know, your estrogen and progesterone during these different cycles, like That's just, it's something that your body is going through a lot at that time and digestion oftentimes is impacted because of that because your body is exerting and giving more resources to other areas and hormones and and different things at that time and digestion can 100% be off with with, uh, some of these stages in your cycle. So keep that in mind too. Like if you find yourself 
once or twice, you know, uh, for a couple of weeks over the course of the month and it's around your cycle, like that could be a reason maybe why you're also experienced bloating and, um, it's not because of like a food intolerance or sensitivity or something like sometimes it's just where you're at in your cycle that can, that could really dictate how you feel and, and how you're digesting your food and breaking and absorbing those nutrients too. So keep that in mind. I, um, I actually had all of those things on my list today. <sighs> really, as I wrap up here, I just want you to remember that like when it comes to gut health, I'd argue that that's one of the most important things that we could like focus on, right? Like, are we, are we actually putting the nutrients in, in, uh, all the food that we eat to good use? And, you know, a lot of that input directs our output on what we get from our digestion. So at the start of this, right, it's like, are we putting in high quality foods? Are we hitting our protein goal? Are we getting enough energy? Where are we getting our carb sources from? Like, are we getting enough fats? What does our micronutrient profile look like? Are we staying hydrated? Like all these inputs when it comes from your nutrition are a fucking big deal. And I'd argue that that's going to have one of the biggest influences over your gut micro microbiota, your, um, you know, your quote unquote gut health and optimizing your gut health. Those are the big rocks that people need to focus on that are likely going to make all the difference in the world on, on having a healthy gut. And those are where I want people focusing a lot of their attention on and making sure that they're doubling down on that to be able to talk about the next things like, hey, now that I'm having all these things in check and I'm still not feeling super awesome or I'm bloating a lot after my meals, maybe I'm doing some of these things. Maybe, you know, maybe you're not chewing your food enough. Maybe you're eating really big portions of meals. Maybe you're drinking a shit ton of carbonated drinks or you're having a lot of sodium or chewing gum throughout the course of the day. Uh, maybe you're stressed the fuck out, right? And you're like eating and you're con constantly in this high stress environment. Um, maybe you're not having consistent bowel movements every day, or maybe you're just not exercising enough. Uh, or for my ladies, you're having, um, you're just at a different part of your cycle throughout the month. Like that's when a lot of these things like we can investigate and be a little bit more aware and, and explore what our day-to-day week-to-week routine is like being intentional with those things and getting those in check, I would say is the next step. And then when you feel like you have all of those things down, but things still feel really fucked up, that's when like, I would say seeing a provider or seeing somebody who, you know, maybe focuses or has dedicated their practice to something like gut health, um, I, I'm not like plugging myself in here by any means, but that is something that I do with my clients to the people who we feel like we've gone through all of these steps and we need to do a little bit more investigative work and be a little bit more intentional and have a better idea of like, Hey, what's a snapshot going on inside your gut right now? And there are there things that we're missing or, or things that we can find out that can, you know, help us be just more intentional, more productive of what we're doing from like a nutrition an eating protocol, but also like a supplement protocol. Like, are we addressing things like H. pylori, right? Are, are we having low digestive enzyme output? Like is, is your, uh, digestive tract like, like pro-inflammatory right now? Are there other opportunistic bacteria that are present? Is there overgrowth of some of these things that we don't really want to see in your gut? Like what is our good gut bacteria? Like, you know, microbiota, uh, flora look like, those are things that I think are the next step for people who feel like they've had a lot of these things in check and they still fill up in arms because nothing has changed or they're still feeling bloated or not super normal or low energy or afraid to eat because they just feel shitty after eating. Like that's when I think some of those things are warranted and you can take the next step for that. But 
normal people feeling kind of okay and thinking like, oh, I have a bloating problem. Like I'm just going to go and do all these tests and stool tests and blood work and stuff. And I just don't think that that's the best use for most people's time. So again, I just find myself like watching, walking on this, this uh, fine line of like, hey, we have to acknowledge that even if people do everything that we talked about today, they still might feel terrible. And there's other things going on that are beyond a nutrition and lifestyle intervention at this point. And maybe there's other things that are contributing to that, that we need to be a little bit more intentional about. But then again, I would say like 90% of the population doesn't do a lot of the big rocks, doesn't focus on a lot of the things we talk about and could likely benefit from doing those things and, and notice if they see any improvement with their digestion and how they feel um, before going to the next step and doing some of the testing and things like that. Um, but that's just my two cents and kind of the stance that I've taken on a lot of this gut health, like uh, hormone testing, micronutrient, like blood work testing stuff. I've taken the courses and and experiment with on myself and with other clients and past clients. And I've kind of gotten to this place where for me, I feel like I've figured out this balance of when do we need these tests? When do we not? And are we doing all these other things first before we earn the right or want to explore some of these other things? And again, it's not like we have to do everything perfect to be able to order tests like that, but it's definitely something that I just want you to keep, just keep in the back of your mind is like being honest with ourselves and, and seeing if we're doing the things we think we're doing that can likely make a big difference before you have to go spend 500 to a thousand bucks minimum on some of these tests just to find out something and just to do things that I listed today. You know what I mean? So cool. I'm going to end the episode on that note. I appreciate you guys for listening. If you have any questions about this stuff, it's very complicated, right? And it like, we could probably talk for four straight hours on gut health and different things and different inputs with that. But I just wanted to be really broad today and talk about things that you could likely do to um, maybe make an improvement with bloating or, you know, feeling discomfort or uh, discomfort or uh, uncomfortable after eating meals and, and things that you might not be super aware of right now that could be contributing to some of these digestive issues. So try them all, make sure you're keeping them all in check and, and see if that makes a difference. And chances are, if you do, it will. So Thank you again for listening. I appreciate you as always. And until next time, remember to eat with a purpose, train with intention, and think with confidence as you work towards your own nutrition and fitness goals. I'm always here if you need anything, and I'll see you on the next episode. Peace. Thank you again for listening to this episode. If you found value and enjoyed it, it would mean the world to me if you posted a screenshot to your social media. If you do, make sure you tag me so I can say thanks. Or if you're on iTunes, scrolling down and leaving a five-star review would be much appreciated. And if you ever want to get in touch with me, you can always find me on Instagram at LukeSmithRD. Thanks again for tuning in, and I hope you have an amazing rest of your day. I'll see you on the next episode.